Hey, you're listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast. If you want to learn more about the church, including upcoming service times in both our Cincinnati, Ohio, and Florence, Kentucky locations, visit us online at sevenhillschurch.tv. We hope this message helps you win the day. Second Kings, Second Kings chapter 3. 2 Kings chapter 3. Let's look at verse 14. And Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, Surely were it not that I regard the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you. I would not see you. I wouldn't be having this conversation with you. I would want nothing to do with you, is what Elisha was saying. But because the king of Judah is in the room, we're going to have a conversation. He then says, bring me the musicians, the worshipers. And the musicians played, and the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. And so the Lord said, for thus the Lord says, you shall not see wind, nor shall you see rain. Yet the valley shall be filled with water so that you, your cattle and your animals may drink. And this is a simple matter in the sight of God. He will also deliver you, deliver the Moabites into your hand. I wanna talk to you around this idea of don't ignore Judah. Don't ignore Judah. Or maybe a better way to say it would be, why is worship such an important part of the Christian life? You know, I, I love preaching. I love um, opening the scriptures and talking from God's word uh, with you. It's, 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 it's a blessing to my life. I love, I love being the one on the receiving end of hearing God's word. Almost every day I'm listening to a preacher in some way, shape, or form because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So I'm just always just trying to fill my life. You never know when faith is going to rise by a statement, a word, a scripture, something that's being said. So I'm just filling my life with just listening to the word of God. I love the programs that we have around here to think that, that we're ministering to young people or college students like, like Pastor Evan talked about, to think um, that we're ministering to thousands of families and hundreds of schools uh, over the next couple of weeks. And just to go back, you all are always around. <laughs> we're always doing something, and it's wonderful. And I'm th- I thank God for the programs that we have and what those things do. I thank God for this beautiful space that we have to gather and to worship God. But I want you to know that as important as all of this stuff is, there is a place that preaching cannot take you. There is a place that knowledge and information cannot take you. There is a place that no matter how good of a church we have, no matter how great we are at what we do, none of this can really take you into spiritual maturity and flourishing spiritually with God. There are some things, there are some places in God that you only find when you value worship. And, and, and there's just some, there's a, it's a vein, it's a, it's a special place you lock into with God. I, I like that, that Isaiah would say it like this, those who wait upon the Lord, that's worship, right? Those who wait upon the Lord, he shall renew their strength. They'll mount up with wings like the eagle. The old timers would call that a state of rapture where the goal is in my personal life is that I worship in such a way that, that I may begin worship and I don't feel it. I may begin worship and, and, and there's nothing about it that I don't have goosebumps or, or any of that kind of stuff. But as I continue to worship, 
as I continue to wait upon the Lord, all of a sudden strength begins to come and I feel God begin to lift me out of that situation and he renews my strength and I begin to mount up. He begins to lift me out of that situation like, like the eagle. In a church service, it can happen. In this service today, this could happen. Where the right song at the right moment can change the entire atmosphere of this place. And so in this particular text, the story is one that's so unique because the background here, if we were to go into it, is Joram is, so Israel and Judah, this is, the nation had been divided. If you've been in church any time at all, you probably know some of this, but the nation of Israel was divided for some time. And so Jehoram is the king of Israel where Jehoshaphat is the king of Judah. And Jehoram's father was King Ahab. His mother was Jezebel. So these are extremely wicked, wicked leaders. They built idols to false gods and false worship. They, they killed godly prophets. They were, they were a terror to the people of God in their lifetime. And at the same time, Joram would have grown up watching things like Elijah call down fire on the prophets of Baal. And so he, though he watched his parents have a deep hatred for the things of God, he also began to watch how God was protecting his people and how God was showing up strong on behalf of his people. So when, when his father Ahab, the wicked king, died and Joram takes the throne, he has a different approach towards the things of God. He has a respect for him, almost like a conviction that he can't go the way his, his uh, father Ahab and Jezebel, his mom Jezebel did. So he starts tearing down some of the idols across the nation of Israel. And he starts removing the idols that were there for false worship. But the beginning of chapter three says he only did it partially, like a percentage of it. So he wasn't completely tearing down all these false idols. He was just kind of, tearing down some of them, which, which kind of speaks to the fact that if it's possible, he's like half saved, right? He's kind of like, I'm kind of saved. I'm kind of not saved, which is the most miserable place to be, right? With God, the most miserable place to be with God is going halfway. It is horrific. It is tragic. It is difficult. It is miserable because you're always being torn one way or the other. And it is a difficult thing to live half saved. So Joram is, is now king. He's going in a different direction than his father is. And Moab is a nation that has disrespected this king and he's going to war with them. And so he announces he's taking Israel to war with the Moabites. As they gather their army, as they prepare to march into battle, Joram is somewhat aware that he's not able to successfully fight the battle that he's entered into on his own. And so he reaches out to Jehoshaphat, who's the king of Judah, and he asks Jehoshaphat to join him so they can go fight the Moabites. And the Bible says that Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, immediately decides that he is going to join the fight with Jehoram, the king of Israel. Now, what I want you to see real quick is Jehoram's not really living close to God. 
but he wants to find someone who is. So in many ways, this is a wise move on the King Jehoram's side of things because he is aware that he's not as close to God as he needs to be, but he knows Jehoshaphat is very close to God. He is a serious man of God. So Jehoram says, if I can connect my life to Jehoshaphat, there's the possibility that though I'm outnumbered by the enemy, though there's the strong possibility we're done, it's over, we're finished. If I can connect with him, maybe somehow we can get the advantage. So it's a high point for King Joram, but it's a low point for Jehoshaphat. It's a low, low point for Jehoshaphat because when Joram comes and asks him to go into the battle, Jehoshaphat doesn't pray. He doesn't seek God. He doesn't spend one second uh, getting godly counsel. He just immediately says, yes, I'll go, which if you follow the life of Jehoshaphat was a continual weakness and actually ruined his legacy at the end of his life because his weakness was he did not know how to stay away from the wrong people. He was always connecting, always yoking his life to the wrong relationships and the wrong friendships. And so now he does that same thing. He joins with his evil king and now they're going to battle together. They're in this journey to go fight the Moabites. They head into a desert, into a wilderness. As they're going through the desert, as they're going through the wilderness, they start to notice that all the water sources have been dried up. And the chance of them making it through this battle without the water that they're going to need, the soldiers are going to need, and the food source, all the flocks that are following them, the food source that's following them, all of that needs water. Without the water, there's no possibility that they're gonna win the battle. So here Jehoshaphat and Joram are, and they make a decision that they're gonna go talk to Elisha. And they're gonna ask Elisha what his advice is in this kind of a situation. And so they walk into the room with the prophet Elisha, when they walk into the room, Elisha looks at Jehoram and he is on his way out of the room. It's like he sees him. He's like, no, nah, I'm done. Because this man's parents on multiple occasions had tried to kill his mentor, Elijah, and tried to kill him. And so he wants nothing to do with this guy. He has personal problems with this guy. He has emotional trauma with this guy. There is conflict with this, this person. There's drama with this person. And when Elisha sees him, he wants to get out of the room. And so Elisha is about to miss an opportunity to not just have a miracle in his life, but thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people's lives are at stake. With this decision, if Elisha walks out, the nation dies. The nation loses the battle. But as he's on his way out, the Bible says he sees Judah. He sees Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. And he looks at Jehoram and he says, the only reason I'm going to stay in this room is because of the presence of Judah. If Judah was not here, if the king of Judah was not here, there is no way I would be staying in this room. And what is he saying? 
He's saying, I will not ignore Judah. Elijah, Elisha said, the only reason I'm even going to have a conversation with you, comment on the situation, is because Judah is here. Elisha did not regard how he felt. He didn't look at his personal feelings. He didn't look at the drama. He didn't look at at the conflict. He didn't look at the heartbreak and the pain and the fear and the terror that he had been under by Joram and his family for years. He didn't look at any of that. The Bible says he decides to have a conversation with them because Judah was present. Had Judah not been present, the conversation is over. Judah, we know, is the tribe of worship and praise in Israel. It's the musicians. These are the, the people that, that write songs and sing songs to God. This is the tribe that leads Israel into battle because it was always worship that was supposed to lead God's people into the battle and the struggle, which is why we worship up front in a church because worship sets the stage. Worship is what we allow to go ahead of because what we're doing right now is not natural, it's spiritual. And we need angels and we need the presence of God and we need the Holy Spirit to be released in this place and released in this atmosphere and released in this room. And and the way that happens is because we regard the presence of Judah. A church that ignores the presence of Judah is a church that misses out on the miracles. It's a church that misses out on the wins that God has prepared for them. The only way they get out of the desert is they have to make a decision. We cannot ignore Judah. And the point is every Christian is responsible. Whatever the room looks like, whatever your life looks like, the drama, the pain, the conflict, the issues, the concerns, the anger, all the stuff, all the stuff that goes on. It's your responsibility to make sure that you connect with praise. It's your responsibility to say, okay, I'm in a dry place and I can leave in fear. I can leave in anger. I can leave it. Or what I can do is I can praise my way out of the dry place. I can praise my way out of the desert. I can praise my way out of the discouragement. I can praise my way out of the dark place. I can, I can praise my way out of the depression. And this story teaches us no matter what the odds are stacked against you, if you will keep praise alive in every situation, if you'll make a decision, I will not ignore Judah in church today. You came looking for something. You showed up. You want something. And you're going to leave disappointed if you wait for the preacher to do it. And you're going to leave disappointed if you hope that the people will be nice to you around this room. I hope they are. I hope it's a wonderful experience. But the truth is you have everything you need and it's sitting right beside you. You just haven't acknowledged it yet. He's right there. Judah's sitting right there. He's got his hand out. He's wanting to know, are you going to take his hand? Are you going to connect with his hand? Are you going to use that hand? And connect with Judah or are you going to ignore it? Today, you make the decision. Are you going to connect with Judah or are you going to ignore Judah? I'm not talking about religious motions. I'm talking about the gift and really even a weapon that God's given us that if we'll connect with and not ignore it, it can change the situations in our life. Paul and Silas, we've heard it so many times, and the reason we hear it so much is because it's so well put. 
that they're in a filthy prison. They've been beat within inches of their life. They are surrounded by prisoners and surrounded by guards and surrounded by hopelessness. And Paul somehow starts singing and worshiping. But if he, if he looked at the room, if he looked at the hostility, if he looked at the wounds, if he looked at everything surrounding him, the stench, the smell, the, the, all the darkness, everything, the, 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 there's no way. But Judah was there in that prison cell. And he made a decision, no matter how horrific life gets, I cannot ignore Judah. And the Bible says they started to worship and they started to sing praises to God and they started to, in that prison, change the atmosphere of it. And the prison doors begin to open and there are some things that are not happening in our life. There are some things that are not changing in our life because we have not learned how to connect with the spirit of praise. We think it's just church or a style of church or a type of church or, or that's for that church. Praise is not instructions that we get from the denomination we're a part of. Praise and what it looks like, we get those instructions from the Bible. And the Bible has a clear expectation on you and I, and it doesn't check with us. He doesn't check with our opinion. He doesn't check with our religious background. He doesn't check with your personality profile. He doesn't check with your leanings. He doesn't care. God lays out what he expects from us when it comes to praise and worship. And the truth is a lot of us every week ignore Judah. David goes into the room with King Saul and he begins to worship and the evil, distressing spirit left. And my thing is always, when I hear that story, I'm like, Saul had access to the same God. He knew the same God. He had prophesied all night. He knew what worship looked like. He knew what the spirit of praise looked like. He had been caught up in multiple Situations where God moved powerfully in his life. But somewhere along the way, he started thinking worship was someone else's job. He's got a nation to lead. He's got responsibilities. He's got his family. He's got decisions. He's got enemies. He's got all this worship. Not so much. Elisha knew how to create an atmosphere that God would be attracted to. And so the Bible says that they called for the worshipers. They called for the musicians. They called for the praisers to come into that place and to set the stage for what God wanted to do. Now, I think about how important it is that we don't just do this in church. That my hope is that you have some worship songs downloaded on your Spotify, or your iTunes, or somewhere in your whatever you use today. And my hope is that you don't go, let a day go by where you don't turn on some type of worship. A day doesn't go by where you don't just consider everything going on in my life. Can I just take a moment and park it? And not ignore Judah. Not ignore that 
though all of this is important and though all of this is taking my attention, I need to take just a little bit of time and acknowledge Judah is in my life for a reason. The presence of Judah, the only reason Elisha stayed in the room, the only reason he even had a conversation was because the king of Judah was there. So fill your car with worship. Fill your home with it. You see, the reason it's so important that you fill your life with worship is because you'll learn when you, when you study the scriptures and even when you just live your life this way that God does regard worshipers differently. He, he always has and he always will. There is a special favor that God has with those who understand my job is to never ignore Judah. Never ignore a spirit of praise, a spirit of gratitude, a spirit of thankfulness, a spirit of, of acknowledging all that God has done in my life. And without him, I would, be, I would be nobody. And heaven praise is going on continuously. And I just think if it's good enough for heaven, it's good enough for earth. And so as we're here gathered as a church, as we're here and we sing songs, what we're doing is we're praying that God would let it be on earth as it is in heaven. That we're not in heaven yet, but we have opportunities to get together and corporately reflect what it's like in heaven right now. And in heaven right now, there's continuous worship going before the throne. There's continuous praise going on before the throne. There's constant worship going on. And if it's good enough for heaven, it's good enough for earth. And you'll learn that your daily worship, your day-to-day -day worship is very important because you cannot worship powerfully in public if you're never worshiping privately. So private worship comes out publicly. It comes out when you're around other people. Without connecting with a spirit of praise, your walk with God will become dry. Your walk with God will become boring. It'll become a life of no joy. But if you'll say, God, I, I, I don't really know all that he's talking about, but if there's another level to my relationship with you that worship can bring, I wanna make sure that I don't ignore Judah. The Bible says it like this, what you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. What you, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. So there are things in your life that, that are going on in heaven that, that God wants to bring heaven into your earth, but you bound it. You, you got handcuffs on Judah. You, you got Judah in a straight jacket because this is, this is how you see worship. Just like this. Oh, I love God. I do. I do. I do. Well, let your face know. Let your hands know. Let your heart know. And I love this. Every single person is mad at me right now. I'll go to a Bengals game and you'll be the craziest person there. So I know you have something in you that knows how to adore something you love. I'm just trying to get you to loose your worship to God and see that worshiping him is much greater than worshiping a bunch of, you know, guys that care less about you, by the way. Elisha said, bring the musicians, bring the worship we need direction. We need supernatural direction. And Elisha knew that kind of direction comes when we worship. It comes when we embrace Judah in the room. 
So real quick, just three thoughts on how you can know if you're ignoring Judah. Three ways you can know if you're ignoring Judah. Number one, you're unemotional in your attention. You're unemotional in your attention. I want to just take a second and say, it's not my personality to be expressive in worship. My personality is to find a little corner in the room and just sit down and watch the whole thing. That's my person. I know that sounds weird, but that's, that's what, if I go visit a church and I'm on vacation, I go to the back little corner and I just watch it all. I'm just watching it all because I'm introvert by nature. I'm quiet by nature. I really am. I, I, I don't, I don't want to stand out. All this right here is, is to me just this bizarre joke that God's playing on me, I think. <laughs> it's like an out-of-body experience that I have all the time. You know, it's like, why, why, why? Because, but when I talk about God, it does something different. When I worship God, it comes from something different. There's a different emotion to it. And so worship is emotional in nature. It's not based on emotion, but it is emotional. Adoration is something that comes from your heart. And I can't praise what I don't prize. I can't praise what I don't adore. But when I think about God, that's what worship is. I'm thinking about his wonder. I'm thinking about his greatness. I'm thinking about his awesomeness. But I'm also thinking about his gentleness his kindness. And when I think about all of that, it can be overwhelming. It can be overpowering in such a way that maybe I walked into the service hard-hearted, but that hardness melts away in worship. That bitterness that I'm carrying begins to weaken. The fear begins to fade. The condemnation and shame begins to be defeated in my life. The power of unbelief has to bow its knee in an atmosphere of worship, if you've never been to this kind of a place in worship where you walk in one way and you walk out different, I'm gonna challenge you in this church service to ask God to reveal himself to you in a new way. Ask God to show himself to you in a brand new way. Like, like Doubting Thomas said, God, I wanna touch the wounds. I wanna, I wanna touch your scars. And then when he did, the immediate response were words of worship and words of praise that would follow immediately. You got a desire to know him in that kind of a way. You got a long to, to, to want to have a relationship with him that way. My favorite example of worship, and I've, we've heard this story so many times, but this is the image I get of worship. The woman with the issue of blood, she's had it for 12 years. And she says, if I can just get through the hem of his garment. So she pushes through the crowd and she reaches out and she touches the hem of his garment. The crowd is all there. The, all the people are there. All the people are are pressing in on Jesus. And he says, who touched me? And they begin to mock the question because he's like, everyone's touching you. Everyone's here. You have, you're surrounded by hundreds, thousands of people. Everyone is here. She's like, no, 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 no. There was something different. That's worship. That's worship. It's not showing up in a church service. I'm glad you're here, by the way. And if I'm being hard today, I don't mean to be. I will, I'm really excited about where this service is going, by the way. I have a goal in mind. I know we're going somewhere. Something's gonna happen in this, this, this service for, for so many of us because we've, we've ignored worship 
And God wants us to get back to the place where we realize that we gather as a crowd, but we touch him as an individual. We reach out to him as an individual. And worship is not a religious activity. Worship is what gets us ready for the battlefield. It's what gets us ready for the fight. It's what gets us ready for what the enemy is gonna send to try to destroy our lives this week. And so worship, number one, is emotional. It's intimate in nature. And so you know you're ignoring Judah if you're unemotional in your attention. Number two, if you're undivided in your affection, you might be, if you're divided in your affection, you might be ignoring Judah. God does not share our worship with anybody. And 1 Corinthians 3, you have this, this story where Paul is correcting the Corinthian church because they're talking about Apollos and they're talking about, really what they're doing is they're talking about who their favorite preacher is. They're talking about, oh, this preacher, this guy's big time and this, this preacher's big time. The worst thing you can do is compare one preacher to another preacher, right? Worst thing, you can have your favorites. I have my favorites. But at the same time, when you, you, can, you, can, talk, you can hear a preacher that's a teacher and he's very precise and you'll shift into that. It's a beautiful thing. You can have a screaming preacher excited, and if you'll shift into that, it's a beautiful thing. Come on. But they were comparing. They were comparing. They're saying, this one's better. This church is better than that church. This church is the better church. This is the, my church is the best church. And you know what Paul said? He said, you're still a worldly church. That's what he called that. He didn't call worldly getting drunk, smoking weed, even though we know that's all the world. He called, when we look to a preacher, worldly. And he said, and this is exactly what he said. He said, it's why I keep having to bring spiritual milk to the table. Because you still don't understand it's not about a preacher. It's not about a church. I am a man with like passions as every single one of you. And if I do my job, I teach you to look past the pulpit and to look to him. I teach you, do not ignore Judah. Ignore me. But don't ignore Judah. Do not ignore the power of connecting with worship and praise in your life. So angels do not worship Billy Graham. Angels do not worship whoever your favorite preacher is. They don't worship Paul. They don't worship Simon Peter. They don't worship Moses or Abraham. They worship nothing and no one but God and God alone. So be undivided in your affection. The Bible says he's altogether lovely. In other words, he's everything you need, everything you desire, everything you long for, and it's all wrapped up in him, altogether lovely. No idols on the throne of your heart. You love him wholly, completely, eyes for no other. It's the whole of you seeking the whole of him, undivided, Affection. Number three is utter devotion. I love that songs of worship should come out of lives of worship. You know the story of, of the woman who brings the alabaster box. Mary brings the alabaster box. She breaks it open. And the response is, this is too much. Remember that? It's just too much. What she's doing, her worship is too much. Stop it, it's too much. It's way too much. Why so much? 
But with worship, it's utter devotion. There's no such thing as too much. There's no such thing as, as a gift too great. There's no such thing as a service too great. And the people that the church was built on the back of, the martyrs of the church, know this exact thing. They understand it's utter devotion. I don't deserve nor do I desire sympathy. They had great joy when they looked death in the face because they had utter devotion. Utter devotion says all my time, all my ability, my life is lived in utter devotion. And it's more than a song. Worship is not just a song. It is my life. It is utter devotion. It's ending the glorification of self. It's saying all that I have, all that I am, I lay it fully and completely at your feet. My life is utterly devoted to you. He's altogether lovely. Um, so and this is what I felt in my heart driving uh, to church this morning. I just was driving, going through some of this in my own heart. And I felt like it was a little strong when I first felt this. I was a little strong. Um, but I felt like I needed to give some of you an opportunity to repent for ignoring Judah. You've been in church a while. You know the things of God. And you've just ignored the presence of Judah. It gives me no pleasure to say this. But you've got real reasons, real, the presence of real things in the room, real problems in the room, real painful things in the room. I get it. Make no mistake about it. I get it. But there are miracles on the other side. There are victories on the other side. Reaching out and grabbing Judah. Reaching out and connecting with the spirit of praise and gratitude. I don't know how all this works, but I know one thing about the law of worship. If you read the Old Testament, it talks about worship in the temple. There was very clear instructions that God gave. If you came in the north gate, he said you go out the south gate. If you come in the east gate, you go out the west gate. If you come in the south gate, you go out the north gate. If you come in the west gate, you go out the east gate. He never said if you come in the north gate, just make a slight adjustment and go out the northeast gate. No, the law of worship is this. Whatever way I come in, I go out the opposite way. I leave different I, I don't leave with a slight adjustment or a small improvement. I leave with a commitment of the way I walked in is not the way I'm walking out. I'm walking out different. And that's the law of worship. The law of worship is when you walk in, you're saying, God, change me, renew me, strengthen me, do whatever you want to do, but don't let me leave here the same way I came. And by the way, that worship will go with you. Remember Mary, when she left that room, everywhere she went, the aroma of worship's there on her hair. It's, it's there at the job. It's there when she's at the grocery store. Everywhere she goes, that aroma is still there. And real worship will leave a church service and it'll go home with you. And it'll, that aroma will get in your home. It'll get in that car. It'll get in you raising the children. It'll get in that marriage. And so can we stand up together? And I've asked him to sing this song 
with us. And that's all I want to do. I don't need anything from you other than to challenge you to reach out and grab the hand of Judah. Can we take the next two or three minutes and make a decision? I'm not going to ignore Judah in this service. I don't want you to miss this. I really don't want you to miss it. Can we do this? Can we just utter devotion, undivided affection? Come on, can we, even in emotion, just begin to love on him together? Worthy is your name, Jesus. Come on, tell it. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Hey, as we sing, as we sing this together, I want to remind you, when Jesus casted out the demons, they requested to go to a dry place. In other words, when you worship, the promise in this scripture was God was going to send water that would fill that valley. He was going to refresh them. He was going to give them the strength that they needed to face the battle that was in front of them. And I don't know what's in front of you, but I can tell you this. You're going to need some rain from heaven. You're going to need some blessings from heaven. You're going to need some of the presence of God in your life to face that battle in front of you. We bless you, Jesus. Come on, every hand, every heart, every mouth open, every tongue declaring hallelujah to you, God. Come on, let him know he's worthy. I think we should turn this whole room into a praise team. This whole room into a choir. Come on, let's join with all the heaven around that world. All we call, all that is in heaven to invade our earth. Lord, let heaven invade our homes. Let heaven invade our marriages. Lord, let heaven invade this beautiful place today. We love you, God. Come on, declare that name over the problem. Declare that name over the battle. Declare that name over the pain and the heartbreak. Worthy is your name, Jesus. I'm leaving different, God. I don't want to leave the same. I can't leave the same. I, I, whatever you do, don't leave me the same as I came. Let me leave different. Change our hearts. Change our minds. Don't let us leave the same, God. Us into new men and new women, new moms, new dads, new husbands, new wives. Oh, rain from heaven is filling up the dry places. Rain from heaven is filling up the desert. Rain from heaven is filling up that battle, filling you up for the battle. Come on with hands lifted. And hearts real before him, would you take a second and repent if Judah has been ignored? Lord, I want you to know that my focus and my attention is on you. I want to focus on you. Come on, focus on the cross. Focus on the price you made. We love you, God. love you, Jesus. Come on, one more time. Worthy is your name, Jesus. You deserve the praise. Worthy is your name. Worthy
I just feel somebody needs a breakthrough. Let your hold back. Oh, let's not hold back today. We got other days to hold back, not this day. This is the day that he has made, and I will rejoice. And I'll be glad in it today. We bless you, Jesus. I just want us to do it one more time. I promise one more time. Father, as we go in the power of your spirit today into our lives, into our workplaces, into just the daily grind, when things don't feel this way and there's not this cheerleading going on and there's not, but we wake up and, and real life hits. Lord, let the aroma of worship be there in those moments. I don't know how to ask you to do it, but just allow that utter devotion to follow us. In Jesus' name. Come on, just lift up your hands and just say, fill me, God, today. Fill me afresh. Fill me anew. I've been empty. I've been dry. Fill me today. I need your presence. I need the joy of the Lord to be my strength. I need the peace of God that passes understanding with what I'm looking at. I need you, Jesus. We all said a big amen. Now, come on. Let's give him a good hand clap together. If you enjoyed today's message, be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you want to experience daily content, messages, and inspiration, go ahead and sign up for Daily Bread with PM by visiting sevenhillschurch.tv slash dbpm. Thanks for listening to the Seven Hills Church Podcast.